Truly, the sun shines upon us this day. <sighs> it wasn't the sun risking its ass down here. You are listening to the Freelancer Codex, a podcast brought to you by the Shut Up and Respawn Network. Welcome, freelancers, to episode 139 of the Freelancer Codex podcast. It's the longest running podcast that I've ever done, the longest running podcast that Mike and Devin have ever done, and they're with me here tonight on this September the 10th of the year 2020. Um, guys, how's it going? I'm glad to see you guys today. Like, it's been, it seems like it's been a really long time since the last time we recorded, and I'm not sure why. Maybe just because we haven't talked a lot. Maybe it was because of the holiday, but I'm glad to see your faces. For the most part, Mike, how are you today here? I'm doing well. It's been it's been a pretty interesting couple days here in northern New Mexico. We've had a cold front roll in that really shut down, not really shut down our weather, but we went from I guess it really did. It went from 92 degrees to 52 degrees in in two days. Uh, my wife had me turn on the heater and we turned off the air conditioner and I'm wearing a hoodie. And so it's been, it's been an interesting time, but it's been fun. It kind of gets you in that whole fall mood. And, um, we were, I was out at a soccer game tonight for one of the boys and it felt like, like, um, fall soccer. So it was kind of fun and, you know, going back to work and trying to get students back into schools and, and playing a little bit there. So it's been a, it's been a fun week since the last time we spoke. Devin, what you been up to? What have I been up to? I mean, I, I don't know what you guys are talking about. We we've spoken like over the weekend. When did we play? We played Destiny some night. When did we play? Uh, Monday, Monday night, wasn't it? Monday, Monday. Yeah, that was like three days ago. Wasn't yeah, well, but we didn't. Most of the conversation was, "What's this? Where do so I go what from the here? What's going on? What's next? <laughs> it's really do I remember Steven's how to play this game?" Uh, <laughs> too many blinking things on the screen. Um, no, it I mean, happens, it's pretty man. good that I've been driving the last two days for work to go do an audit that never happened. So um, that was a good time. Um, it sounds like it. it. sounds like you had a lot of fun. Yeah. No, I, I mean, that cold front that you were talking about also brought some storms with it. And so I got to drive through snow and rain and sleet and hail yesterday with a lot of semi-trucks, and that was a good time. I added about two hours extra to my eight-hour commute, so ten hours yesterday, but uh, yeah. So while all no, of California... I've just Calif- been uh, playing games, looking forward to new stuff. What was that? So while all of California is on fire, we are getting hit with a cold front, and it has been oh, rainy, yes. so yeah, I mean, we've, we've been getting a lot of the smoke from California all the way over here. On our part of the world, which oh, yeah. is, Ugh, and all because of a, uh, you know, the old gender reveal party, I guess, is what the uh, what has been going around. So, um, be safe <laughs> when revealing your gender to people. Some people get arrested for that um, nowadays, depending on how old you are. So, be careful when revealing your gender. Um, really quick, since we're gonna, since we're, so, <clears throat> sorry. What I am. It's episode 139, and we have a lot of people to thank because we have a lot of people that have been supporting our show for a really, really long time. So let's thank our patrons. Let's thank Julius, Nathan B., Michael R., Trent B., Man and Steel, Scout69, Dragonheart76, Jeffrey H., 
the gameplay experience and RZ. Thank you so much for supporting us over on Patreon. By doing that, they also get a 15-minute bonus pre-show that we record every week, and we get that sent out to our patrons. So if you want to hear us bicker with each other, argue with each other, or just like, you know, (laughs) bust out our sick raps, um, you can do that by becoming a patron and getting access to that super secret RSS feed that only our patrons get. So um, that's a super cool thing that you can do. You can also join our Discord community. You can do that with the links that will be provided in the show or on the website at freelancercodex.com. And you can always write into the show at freelancercodex at gmail.com. So if you have complaints, concerns, because I'm sure you don't have compliments, you can write in and you can give it to us over there. So those are all things that people can do, right? Am I mistaken? <laughs> no, you're good, man. You are good. You are good. And I'm sure people don't have any complaints. I'm sure we never get anything wrong and we're always right about all the things. All right. So really quick, speaking of destiny, this is kind of something that I wanted to talk about because we had we the three of us for the first time in a really long time ended up having like the same amount of t- like, hey, we can actually play games together. What should we do? And instead of playing anything new or like trying out the new games that are out there, we decided, hey, let's go back to Destiny 2 because that's what we used to do when we played games together. So we're like, hey, we'll go back to this. We'll jump on this bike and it'll be all fun and dandy. So Mike, eh, you I mean, I don't think that's how it really happened, but <laughs> how how did it really happen? Cuz I guess we can blame Mike cuz Mike has put I like mean... 70 hours into the game in the last 5 days or so. Uh, I don't like I don't like to admit it and I can stop any time. But yeah, I have I have I can stop I have I'm actually playing right now, so I believe it. I'm just I'm just kidding. So what like, what got uh, no, you back but it's in been Yeah, so um, so I think the, I think the impetus, I think, and I think I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago is I had a pretty terrible day at work and, uh, couldn't sleep, couldn't, um, you know, my mind wouldn't turn off, couldn't stop thinking about this bad experience at work. So I sat down at the computer and I started destiny. I started playing it. And I guess 70 hours later, here we are. You just so, didn't I mean, stop for three days. I mean, it's not. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not a terrible, and it's not a terrible thing to do. I mean, it's, it's one of those activities where you can kind of jump in and then turn off your brain and just kind of go and do a few bounties, run a couple missions. Cause, cause as different as all the encounters are in Destiny, they really are the same, right? What do Travel you mean? here, shoot this guy, pull your dink out, put it in here. Get the ads, kill the boss, right? So most of the encounters are the same. There are, there are different and new mechanics that are, that are involved in Destiny. There's, in Destiny 2, much more than, than I think I remember in Destiny 1, you know, carrying orbs and, and, um, the sequencing of relics and some different mechanics that exist in, in Destiny. But for the most part, it's point and click and shoot. And, and there really is, um, I, there really is no better system, I think. Then, then the Destiny point and shoot system, and you just, you know, the gunplay is great, the gun visuals are great, the gun sounds are great, um, the way characters explode when you shoot them with with crit hits, and and it's just, I mean, it's just fun. It's just fun to play and look down a reticle and and no scope and you know all that fun stuff that that you get to do when you play Destiny. One of the cool things is the Iron Banner event has started, and I've always kind of had luck in the Iron Banner. I've always done really well, 
And, and so I jumped in playing the Iron Banner. And again, it's fun. Um, and I'm having luck and that always makes it fun to play, you know, when you can defeat some opponents and, and win some matches and you're like, Oh, I guess I can play this a little bit more than just, you know, lose five matches in a row and rage quit and throw your controller at the screen. But, you know, when you're winning more than you're losing, it's definitely much more fun. Plus, I've always enjoyed the Iron Banner armor more than all the others. So, you know, it's kind of a race to get that before the before the event leaves. And the Iron Banner weapons are always very unique and very iconic. And and that's something that, that I appreciate a lot is knowing that Oh, hey, look, that Scott Rifle came from the Iron Banner, and it's unmistakable that that's where that came from. So I appreciate that a great deal, and it's and it's super, super fun, and I enjoy it. And there's a lot to do, though. I mean, I've amassed quite a few quests from when I first started playing, you know, when Destiny 2 came out years ago. And started playing that and never got to finish. So going back and finding all those things and using all the new systems. So it's just fun to kind of get back into. And it's, and again, for me, it's just a no brain activity. I mean, you sit down and you, you shoot, you traverse, you shoot some more and it's just super fun to kill so some That's time why that he way. dies many times when we were playing strikes. Well, it's, it's because <laughs> I just kind of like go in and like, all right. I'm going in, right? Yeah, I feel like I can take these guys, but, and sometimes you can. Sometimes you're untouchable in a strike. And then for whatever reason, you know, you trip on a rock and you're, you're down and you have to be revived. Stubbed so. your toe. Like, oh. Right? So, so, so is that, though. is that like good that it's just mindless that you can jump in? I mean, is that like a, is that a plus for you? Or is it just that it's, you've done it so much that it's like, it's, it's like walking those, those neural, um, those neural pathways have been concreted into your brain that you don't really need to like spend the extra brain power doing those things. <laughs> so, so there are many, there are many other people who have played Destiny much more than I have. So this, I mean, the numbers that I give out on the amount of time that I've played are nothing spectacular for people, but, but I have put lots of hours into Destiny. And, and so, yeah, those neural pathways and that muscle memory is just there, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's like I never even got off the bike. It's not even getting on the bike again to ride it and remembering. It's like I never even got off. Even when I wasn't playing, I was still, you know, I still have those memories and those neural pathways are just solid. And, and so, yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think that's part of the mindless. Plus, plus you can also make Destiny pretty mindless if you just stay in like a, a free play area. You know, you don't even have to queue up a mission. Just stay in a free play area and wait for public events to drop. So you're not really going anywhere, but you're still doing stuff. So, you know, you can, you can definitely make it super, super easy on your brain and just shoot things that move. So you're back on the wagon. Which is fun too. That's what you're, that's what you're telling me. You're back on the wagon. I don't know. So for up to a point, I mean, I'll get, I'll get to the point where I've played all of the, all of the free content, um, you know, stuff that, that is not behind a, a paywall right now. Um, but, and then, yeah, I'll probably be done until, until new stuff comes out, um, on Game Pass. Cause which happens on the 22nd. So that's pretty soon. And then that's, that's only on Xbox. <clears throat> yeah. Right. But you could just jump over there because so you're, you have to play on Xbox, but you're playing on PC. Well, I mean, yeah, I can, I can make it work. I can, I can bring the Xbox over to my PC station and just play on that. Kids don't but, need TV. I mean, but all the work that you've done on PC won't be there on console. Yeah, well, transfer. cross play, cross save. No, it, yes, 
They don't have that. They only have one transfer only. They don't I don't have think so. I think you are incorrect. No, they do. Because I saw the thing. There was a thing. Yeah, there was. There was a banner that popped up when I logged in at the beginning of this week that said cross safe. I'll have to check, double check it though. Because I don't want to tell listeners wrong. Oh, you show me then, Devin. Mr. Cross save enables you to choose <laughs> when one they destiny. Made it so you can... No, so this is this is from their website. Cross save, get started, select your platform, don't have a bunch of net account. Let's see, I don't want to sign in because they, they'll start sending me emails like they started sending to Devin. Yeah, you have cross save with Destiny 2. Like, that's a thing that you can do now. With, with cross save, you'll be able to access the same set of guardians on one active account wherever you play Destiny. Yeah. Hmm. They must have updated it because before it was you had to choose one platform, merge your stuff, and that was it. I think that was when they when were they doing that. Yeah, out with that. Yeah, because I think that's when they were doing. I think their yeah. Migration so so I think it's been Activision. I like it. I yeah. like that. That's good. That makes me happier because like I did not want to. I don't want to play on console because at least on current gen consoles. Like I was talking to Mike about this before the show. The load times are ridiculous on a console, and. Uh, yeah, it's atrocious. But I'm, you know, looking forward to playing on next gen consoles when it'll be 60 frames per second. And, you know. So, Devin, so, like, so. you have also been playing a lot more than I thought you would, than I anticipated. Like, is this something that you want to get back into? Like, you're going to get back into it? Or is it just because there were some friends playing it, you jump back in? I mean, I've, I think I've only played seven or eight hours. It, in like two or three days. Okay. Total. So I mean, it's not not that much. I guess I mean I haven't played uh, since still Monday. A lot. So I mean, seven <laughs> hours in a game—that's like some games you can beat in seven hours. It's true. It's true. But you can only touch the tip of the iceberg there in Destiny in seven hours. Um, no, I mean I've been having a lot of fun. I try. You know, there's no denying the gameplay. The gameplay loop in Destiny is amazing. Um, like we've talked about many times before, the thing that I disliked about Destiny eventually was just the way they were trying to force you to always have to be playing the game, you know? And I think in some ways, uh, I mean, I haven't really got to that point yet where it's like, oh, I need to play this game. Because, I mean, while I was gone, I was still, th- I thought about Destiny, right? It's like, oh, you know... Because I would see their posts for the new stuff they have out coming up. And I'm like, oh, that looks pretty cool. But that was about it, honestly, for me. It's like, oh, you know, maybe I'll play it. I I don't even know if I'll play it tomorrow night. Because I'm going to be playing on Xbox with my friends doing something else. Because uh, we usually play Halo or or some other multiplayer game that we can all play in. Um, multiplayer in Destiny is not, you know, the greatest. Because it's uh, old school. It's peer-to-peer. Right. Right. You know. Um so they don't want to do the dedicated servers because, uh, you know, <laughs> talking to people that have, that work there, they, you know, that I know that work there, um, we're like, oh, dedicated servers are a waste of money, you know, and you shouldn't, you don't need those, blah, blah, blah. It's like, obviously, it's much better <laughs> than peer-to-peer, but that's okay. It's whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I played a little bit of the multiplayer. I was just trying out. A bunch of the different things. It was, I mean, we've talked about it. It's really complicated to get back into Destiny 2 um, because of how much content there is. And they do not give you a clear path. It's just like, 
oh, here's all this crap that just keeps loading in. Oh, here's this other thing. Here's this other, you know, another pop-up, another pop-up, another pop-up, more quests, more blinking icons. And you're like, well, how do I make these blinking icons go away? And you make them go away, but after the fourth or fifth one, you just stop reading and you're just like, skip, skip, skip. Because you're like, just make it go away <laughs> so I can get back yeah. to playing the game. But then you're like, I don't know what the crap to do. Um because they don't give you like, oh, let's let's get you back into the story counts and let's bring you back in. So we're not going to bombard you with all these icons and prompts and everything else. It's just like, I don't even know, honestly, where the story content, uh, like the main story, like when you when I started playing, you had to play through a mission. I don't even know where that next mission is for that, honestly, <laughs> like the time that I was playing um, with us. And then the little bit that I played on my own, I was just like. Okay, because then I just started doing a quest, and I'm like, is this the story, part of the storyline? I don't know if this is part of the storyline. Do I go over here? Um, you know, so it's like, I, okay, I got to figure this out. I'm sure there's some somewhere where I can click on, you know, in one of the many menus or screens to tell me what the story mission is. But, like, right now, it's like I don't even know where that next story mission is or which one I'm even on, right? right. Because I don't have the current DLC which is like Forsaken, I believe, not because I didn't purchase it on the PC. And so, like, when I started, the recommended light level was like 750 for whatever content that I have, but I don't know what that content is. So it is confusing when you haven't played for a long time and you come back to it. You're like, there's so much there, but, you know, help me wade, wade through some of this to, to get to it, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think it's an interesting problem to have because there is so much content. Like, if you are the person that has to onboard a returning player, because there's so many different, like, where people dropped off. Did you do this content when you left? Did you do this content when you left? Did you only complete the campaign when you left? Like, that has to be a really tough job to tackle is like, what do we do? But it would be nice. I don't, I don't know if they could even do this because there is so much stuff in there. Like, it's, like when I jumped in and like all the different currencies that there were, all the different types of engrams that you're getting thrown at, you have to open them this way, which is different from, you know, how you did it before. That, that's gotta be a really tough job to do. And it, it was nice jumping back in because as we think like for the future of Anthem, like whatever happens with Anthem 2.0, like they're not gonna have this bad of a problem, right? Because they're not adding content to 1.0. So they're not going to have to tackle this. Yeah. It'll just be like, hey, welcome back. Um, let's pick up and let's go from here. So it is interesting because it's like, oh, I guess they probably don't have to worry about this to the level of degree. that. But I mean, still, if someone dropped off of Anthem before Cataclysm or before those events, I mean, maybe there would be something there. But it's definitely not going to be to the amount, like to the problem that Destiny has with trying to get people on. I mean, Destiny's getting to the point where they're going to have to put a lot of their content into a vault because they can't just keep adding things mm. to the game, which, you know, is a, is a good problem for Bungie to have that they've made a game that has had this kind of life in a world where live service games or games as a service like have been struggling big time, right? Like Destiny has shown, like when they came out and they're like, this yeah. is what we are, they were huge trendsetters. And I don't think like anyone has been able to reach the level that they've gotten to. Like even Warframe, like I think Warframe's kind of a little bit different beast than Destiny is. But 
Yeah, I mean, for them to have that problem is like a good problem to have, right? We have too much content. What do we do? Instead of being like, hey, your game doesn't yeah. have enough content. <clears throat> we're just going to leave. So, like, good on Bungie for sticking through. And, you know, going back and playing, like, the level design for Bun- that Bungie does, like, they have some of the best level design in games. Like, going from biome to biome, like, going from, like, these weird ice tunnels on the on the moon to, like, these big giant hive monoliths. Like, it's telegraphed very, very easy. Like, visually, you know you're transferring from one area to the next. Like, I just remember, like, playing, like, on any map after playing for a while. You know exactly where you are. You know exactly how to get where you need to go without even using a map. Just because the level design is so good, and just and just because you know we were an Anthem podcast, and since I'm comparing a lot of things to Anthem, like in Bastion, it's almost impossible to be like this is where without looking at the map. Hey, I'm in this area. In order to get from like the Eastern Reach over to like the uh, the um, Astronomy Tower, I have to go this way, do this, make this turn, and go here. Just because it all looks so similar, and you know. It's you don't spend a lot of time on the ground in that game because you're flying all over the place, and maybe that's like a, a problem with you know if if you're designing a lot of verticality and most of the time your characters are flying through the air, how are you supposed to make the landmarks memorable, right? I mean that's a different type of problem because you know with sparrows in Destiny, it's like you're always driving by those areas. Maybe it'd be a little bit different if you couldn't fly an anthem so that you knew exactly where you were at any given time, but. Just like props to that team, like the combat loop, the weapons that are so iconic, and the weapons that feel like they have like tons of character, like the weapons are a character in themselves, like those exotic weapons that you'll always remember when you got them, unless you bought Galahorn from Xur on week two, then maybe that's not as memorable. But even then that became memorable because everyone (laughs) that didn't get it were like kicking themselves that they didn't get that stupid thing. Like, I'm not going to waste this because everyone thought that that the heavy slot was a waste. And then from that time on, there was that so stupid, good. like, hey, Gallahorn Master Race, if you don't got it, you can't come run this content with you, with us. So, you know, I. <laughs> that was funny. No, I think it's just. they. I do think, you know, for me, I, I've been having fun with it. I don't have a problem continuing to play it. I'm actually, you know, excited for the new. Like, before, I was honestly trying to distance myself and purposely, like, I have to hate this product so that I don't play it. You know, type of mentality. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it's like Mike started playing and then he started talking about it. So then it was like, oh, it's just like gnawing at my brain, you know, like destiny, destiny. <laughs> you know? it is. And it was, it's a lot of fun, honestly. But it, I've, you know, played it before and came back and left. Like, for me, I, I don't think I've beaten any of the DLC for Destiny 2. I played the main campaign. And then I would try and come back for some of it. And then I'd just be like, no, I can't play this game anymore. Um, cause it was just like, I, I can't just be like, I only play this game, you know? Um, because that's how much the gameplay loop and everything else just sucks me in for that game. But at the same time, I don't know. I mean, it's a lot of fun. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's I a am fun. looking forward to it. Yeah. I think it's a fun thought process trying to like distill Destiny down to like what it, like what makes Destiny Destiny and how you can apply that to other games, right? Like, you know, how can, what can other games take from Destiny to make their loops, you know, improve on what they do? Because right now it's like you look to Destiny and see what they're doing because they're obviously doing something right, right? 
So that's what you do when you're like the the leader in the space. You look to the leaders in the space. So, all right, that's our that's our Destiny talk because we spent a couple hours playing Destiny with each other. Mike, I just want you to know that we spent 18 minutes talking about Destiny. So you can no longer complain about me talking about <laughs> um, Control for 22 minutes. So, all right, if yes, there's nothing, yes, but how much did I speak? Um, I guess I can go back and I can check that all out and see. Um, I, it doesn't matter. We can move on. We can move on. Let's not get sidetracked. Right? No, let's go ahead move and on. Now. Move all on. Right, so, so let's jump over to the news. Um, I oh, one thing I I have been trying to, after I finished Control, I wanted to get back into Horizon Zero Dawn, and after their latest update, my I launched the game and it just automatically crashes and it's super frustrating and I hate it. So that's really stupid. All right, let's get over to the news with. Hey, let's go to our soundboard. You. Nope, I don't want to hear that one. Here we go. So nope, that's the wrong button. All right. I'm going to talk to you about something. Breaking news. This just in, hot off the desk. Um, Witcher 3. If you have purchased Witcher 3 at any time, you will be getting a free upgrade to next gen for free, courtesy of CD Projekt Red. So if you own that game, I'm sure most people do own that game because it's been around for 182 years. It goes on sale like multiple times a year. <laughs> I think it was recently on sale for like $11. So if you own The Witcher 3, one of the greatest games of the generation, you will get a free upgrade. Now, we don't know exactly what kind of upgrade that's going to be. Um, I don't know if Devin, did they say what kind of upgrade they're going to be, or are they just saying that, Hey, you're going to get a free next gen upgrade? Uh, they didn't specify. I mean, they talked about ray tracing, um, but yeah, it's just basically a next gen overhaul, uh, and, uh, and specifically mentioned ray tracing. So, um, that's about it. Yeah. So your, your Witcher, your Geralt of Rivia is going to mum on the details. Mom on the details. You're going to see all that sweet ray tracing and all the windows of all those tavern pubs that you're going to be going through. So, um, CD Project Red was also currently in the news because there was a, there was an interaction with the fan and there's been some hubbub about microtransactions coming to Cyberpunk. So this is from their official Twitter account. So Twitter user Trippy Hazard TV says, I so hyped for Cyberpunk 2077. Just please, please, for the love, do not go down the route that other game developers have gone down and add microtransactions into the game. It doesn't need it. Players don't want it. Look forward to more content. Hashtag we love you CD Projekt Red. Um, so obviously fanboys of CD Projekt Red, they have a lot of them. That's fine. And CDPR responds and says no microtransactions. Angry face. Um, Sunglass emoji face. Nothing changed. Cyberpunk 2077 is a single player game with zero microtransaction. One single purchase. No tricks. Don't believe the clickbait. So this came about because there was news that there was going to be multiplayer cosmetics that you could buy via microtransaction. So um, CD Projekt Red says that Cyberpunk multiplayer slash online, which is a separate project and not tied to the single player game, We'll have some microtransactions. But we said that a year ago already. Like always, expect us, expect us to treat your money with respect. So this was kind of interesting that thing that went around, um, this week. I, I was actually kind of surprised that there was so much news coverage over it, um, because they had spoken briefly about it about a year ago. So very much like, um, Red Dead 2. Like, their online multiplayer is kind of separate from the single-player campaign. And that's going to be very similar with Cyberpunk. So, if you do want to spend money 
um, extra for Cyberpunk Cosmetics. You'll be able to do that in their online mode. And I'm pretty sure they've said that their online mode will not be coming out until sometime in 2021. Devin, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But you'll be able to have microtransactions. Like, I know a lot of people have been saying, like, hey, you lied to us. You said that you would never do this. But I actually don't see that big of a problem with adding microtransactions to a multiplayer online mode that's kind of separate from single player. Mike, does it, like, make you upset that they're adding microtransactions? Like, is this, is this like, you know, sky's falling? Like, don't support their game because they're trying to make more money? Or what's your... So, so I definitely don't think that it's, that it's worth balking at, right? There are so many other games that use microtransactions. Getting mad at Cyberpunk for doing it is, is a, um, is a, is a improportionate response because, because microtransactions exist. So you can't say, I guess, they they exist so so why i guess why fight it when when a game talks about having it cuz what do microtransactions actually do for games they create a cash flow to give you more stuff ultimately right that's the loop that's the cycle buy this season pass buy this dlc buy enough of these cosmetics so we can make more dlc and more seasons to play in and more cosmetics i if if Cyberpunk is going to be a self-contained game, I guess I get it that people don't want microtransactions in it. But if it's not, and if they want longevity and staying power, um, it's it's a necessity in the market, right? Like that's the business of video games. That's the business you have to have a cash flow coming in. So it doesn't bug me because because ultimately it's my choice whether or not the the microtransactions affect me right if i want to open my wallet or if i don't that's entirely up to me i'm not gonna buy cyberpunk and and you know have a have a developer come to my house and and force me to now buy microtransactions because of it right so i i guess i i would like to say i understand the outrage but i don't i don't understand why there was such a negative thing um I, I didn't get the... tied up in all of the Star Wars microtransactions stuff that was going on because that seems to be ringing a bell that there was microtransactions and loot boxes in, in one of the Star Wars games that caused a lot of issues for people. Um, but I, I didn't th- get tied up in that, so I have I, I don't have really any any um, legs to stand on when it comes to the to having like hurt feelings or anything. I think one of the major reasons people are upset that CD Projekt Red was doing that is because they've gone in the past and made a point of saying that they actually care about um, their users' dollars and they're not going to make these crappy things. And they've gone out of the way to kind of like poke fun at other developers that have done that. So I think that's one of the major issues why people got so upset about it because it was very, it seemed like hypocritical talking coming from them. But uh, so I think that's one of the main reasons it was news. But the, yeah. uh, the breakfast burrito I eat every morning said it wasn't going to add any weight, any inches to my <laughs> hips either. So, did your breakfast you, burrito you talk? Do, right. Um, one of the things, like when we're, when we're talking about microtransactions, because you brought up Battlefront, and we've been talking about microtransactions um, just offline here. So, like, when when are they okay, Devin? Because we talked about Battlefront, and that in the beginning, that was very much pay for power. The more 
card or whatever boxes they called them in that game in the beginning, however many you bought, you were able to get cards that actually gave you boosts to your stats, albeit they were small, but at the end, if you had a 10% increase on your firing rate over everyone else, you know, that's still a 10% advantage. Um, so that blew up in their face. Anthem was, you just buy cosmetics and that was it. Um, Fortnite did the season pass. Call of Duty does the season pass. Destiny does a season pass where they actually give you weapons in the beginning, but you can later power them up to their full level as you play through there. Fall Guys, you know, they, they also give you, you can play those games. You can play Fall Guys and get unlock things for free. But if you buy the season pass, you get more things as you, as you rank up. So. For you, like, what's the line of this is not okay or this is okay? Uh, <clears throat> for me, I think it's a little different. Like, I, I don't, uh, the Destiny method, I don't, I don't mind, you know, that because you still have to work towards it. You know, I don't want to be able to just buy the items and just, I mean, I guess you can buy the items, but as long as they're not, like, super overpowered. Because I, th- I think back to like Assassin's Creed Origins, right? So one of the things that Ubisoft does is you have what I, I term them as shortcuts. Basically, you can buy uh, things that help you find like secret, secret map locations or help you craft items faster. Or you can buy stuff from their store like, you know, their gear, but you still have to level it up. You know, so you can have cooler things. Um, when a game is, you know, 60 plus hours, I don't have an issue. Uh, even smaller games, like my time is my time just because they have that option there for somebody to be able to buy that. It, it's a solo experience. It's a single player game. If I want to buy something that gives me a shortcut to get through the game faster because I don't have all the time in the world to play video games, but I do have money and I can part with some of my money, money and time, you know, that's, that's my currency, right? So I can I can decide for myself uh, which one I want to spend. Uh, I think for a multiplayer, you know, paying for power is definitely an issue for a lot of people because, again, if, uh, you know, right out the gate, that was the problem with Battlefield is you could buy – or Battlefield, not Battlefield. Um, <laughs> you know, you could become more powerful a lot quicker than other people, and that was an issue because it was getting abused and people were – I mean, it's always going to be abused if it's in multiplayer, and so I think that is definitely an issue, but no microtransactions at all, because it's kind of disappointing because I want to be able to, you know, buy stuff for the game if I want to, you know. Uh, so they're not going to have any kind of cosmetics or any of those things for the single-player story. I think that, to me, is a missed opportunity. Uh, one, for people to be able to customize their character. I'm sure they're going to have tons of customization options, but what if I want my guns or my weapons to look like pizza? You know, whatever. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, you know, people are like, oh, you know, we don't ma- want microtransactions. But it's like, ah, you know, if you look at the statistics, that's actually a lie. And, you know, when we talked, you talked about like season passes and whatnot. Uh, Call of Duty still has microtransactions where you can buy operators. You can buy weapons or blueprints or different things or whatever to use that you, that you would otherwise have to unlock, you know, by playing the game, but it's not a big deal for people, and that's still multiplayer. I mean, it could be a big deal, but considering the fact that they made over $1 billion off of just microtransactions in the first quarter of this year, um, I would say people don't want microtransactions as a lie. 
right? So, I mean, people want to be able to customize their character. They want to be able to buy things to shortcut for their time. They want to be able to look the way they want to look. And um, that all comes through microtransactions. And like you said, they need to find ways because games are, are expensive. It costs a lot of money to make video games. And just buying the game for 60 or $70 now is, is not enough to cover that whole cost. And to be able to keep uh, expanding that game and keep that game going for longer, it costs more money. And where's that money come from? Not just people buying the game. So they have to figure out other ways for you to to buy things so that so they can be supported. So, yeah, I th- I And think- I don't think it's it's – Go ahead, Steve. I was going to say, I think it's tricky as long as, like you said, it's like not giving a, another player an advantage just because they were able to fork over the cash, right? If it look, if it's cosmetic, yeah. then who cares? But if you're, you know, if I can buy this weapon and it's going to give me the advantage in a multiplayer mode or any other setting, then, then I think it crosses that line. So. So what about then if I can buy the weapon and then go through the the usual methods to power it up? Is that okay? I think that's fine. I think if <clears throat> I think if a player could it could grab that same weapon that you grabbed um, by playing the game, but you just purchased it and it's still not any more powerful than any other weapon. Like a player could go out and get kind of like Destiny. Like you have to power those weapons up, right? You don't get them and they're the best weapon in the game. I mean, if if we think back to like the real money auction house in Diablo 3 days, like Diablo 3 like launched with some serious issues where the drop rate for legendaries was abysmal. So when those things actually did drop, they would go for a lot of money on the auction house. And you could make a build by paying for money and that would get you, you know, everything that you needed in order to play that game. And it would put you leagues ahead of other people just because of how hard it was to get a legendary um, item to drop anyway. So um, like when you think of that, it's like, yeah, you were obviously getting power, but like if, if you buy the season pass and I don't in destiny and you still have to go through the content to level those things up, then I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think it's just a perceived power over everyone else that didn't spend money. And, you know, you always come into this thing like, well, you're obviously a fake gamer because you had to buy this and you didn't earn it, right? We we all <laughs> we all experienced that while playing Destiny. People that are like, oh, you didn't earn max light level because you did this through Sparrow Racing, so you must not know how to play this game. So, I mean, there's that kind of thing that always prevail, but, I mean, that kind of stuff is stupid. So, all right. Let's move on to microtransactions and let's talk about something exciting that happened today. Devin, do you want to kick us off with the rundown of what actually happened with this Xbox Series <coughs> S leak? Oh, yeah. So that was yesterday and the day before. So like Tuesday night, right? Uh, late Tuesday night, a picture leaked with the Series S, you know, basically giving some information about it and a price uh, or just minimal information about it and the price and, and obviously what it looked like. Um and then a couple hours later, there was basically a full, like, part of, part of the trailer. And then it was a full trailer. Cause, you know, people like, you know, they're going to leak stuff and they want to get the clicks and, uh, they're never going to get invited by Microsoft. I can, I can guarantee you that. Uh, you know, they're, they're definitely probably going to be some bad blood for that. But no, I mean, it started leaking and it just came out and then Microsoft, their PR, uh, they were able, you know, the Xbox department is, is much more agile now and they responded in kind with some good memes, you know, in the middle of the night and eventually just basically said, yes, 
you know, this is true. This is what it is. We're going to tell you more about it soon. We can't wait to tell you. Um, so that was like Tuesday night going up to Tuesday. And then yesterday, Wednesday, did the full reveal. Basically, they have, you know, their YouTube video, eight-minute eight, eight minute long video explaining, talking about the, the S and how basically uh, they knew they needed a cheaper alternative as they're coming in, you know, a, a opportunity for people to get into next generation on a much cheaper level. And so they basically built two systems, one designed for 4K native at 60 frames per, per, per second, and then one <clears throat> that's designed for 1440p at 60 frames per second. And um, you know, it's they gave us a price. It's it's you know a, a great entry point into next gen, and I think they did a really good job. I'm sure they were pretty upset because they would held out for so long on, on getting this information out. And Phil Spencer came out, you know, yesterday and was like, "Well, I mean, it was planned for next week to do the big reveal, but you know, things happen, and um, obviously it's disappointing when you can't reveal the product on your own terms. You know, uh, that seems to happen a lot more to Microsoft. I'm just saying." You know, it seems to happen a lot more to Microsoft because people find joy out of, uh, you know, ruining people's plans. That's just part of what uh, we deal with these days. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was a really exciting 24 hours, basically, when the leaks started happening and when everything started going. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited. I'm planning on getting one and I'm going to get uh, a Series X as well. So. Uh, the Series X for myself, the Series S for my kids on the on our main TV in the living room because it's only 1080p. So, and what do they care? They don't care. They don't. They just want to play Minecraft. <laughs> they can't tell the else. difference. You know, they they don't know. Why, um, why not just stick with the? The X other bottom then? line is, is yeah, like I can play on the TV still, and and it won't be a bad experience for me because it'll still be next gen, right? So, gotcha. Um. But yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm excited for the opportunity. A lot, I think, a lot more people are going to be able to get into next gen a lot quicker uh, at the $300 price point, and especially if they go through the Xbox All Access program, where it's $25 a month for two years. And uh, yeah, yeah. So, so one of the things that Word. people have been talking about a lot is, hey, this was a this was a designed leak, right? I don't know if I buy that. That this was a design leak. If it was, they did it at the weirdest time possible, like in the middle of the night for a lot of people. So I don't know why they would have leaked it at that time if it was designed to leak out. Um, I think though, like Devin said, that they handled it really well, even though like meme culture is, is what it is, like just putting out a meme, like all of a sudden everyone's like, Oh, I can't believe they did it's so <laughs> awesome. It's like they just put out a meme, but, but whatever. So. When Devin was talking about the subscription service, so there's a couple options that you can do here. So you can pay $24.99 a month for 24 months, and that gets you a Series S, gets you Game Pass, and now it also gets you um, access to EA Play. Because EA Access or EA Access Premier, all those games from EA are being bundled with Game Pass now. And that'll happen sometime this holiday season. So when you are ready to get a Series S... You will get access to 100 plus games. You will get access to um, some of EA's games are day and date. Sometimes they don't go day and date with their EA Play subscription. Um, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. They kind of do that a little bit weird over there. But you'll also get access to every single first party title that Xbox has through Game Pass. And you'll get that for $24.99 a month. Like currently I'm paying for... Um, Game Pass Ultimate, so I get the PC and the Xbox stuff, and that's $15 per month. 
So for an extra ten dollars, that just yeah. gets you a console, which sounds like which sounds insane when you say it like that. That that's all it is. So after a total of twenty four months, you'll pay six hundred dollars for a Series X and twenty four months of Game Pass Ultimate or Series S of Series S. Sorry. That's uh, going to always be hard for me to say. So you're going to pay $600 for that. Um, the grand total, if you were to add that all up separately, that would be like $660. So you're really saving $60 by going this route in the long run. Now for the Xbox Series X, you're going to be paying $34.99. And that's a total after 24 months of $839. Which if you were to buy those separately, if you were to just buy the Series X today... Pay 24 months of Game Pass. That would come out to $860. So you're still saving $20 over a period of 24 months, which doesn't sound all that much. But considering like this is, we're used to paying, you know, this kind of thing for cell phones and cell phones are like, you know, $1,100, $1,500 nowadays. Like this is a crazy deal. And this is something like Devin and I had talked about like many, many years ago. Like, hey, eventually. Like, they should do this, or eventually this is going to happen, where consoles go the cell phone route. Because paying $24 a month for, like, as a parent, or as someone that's not into games, if your kid comes to you and says, hey, we can get this, it's $24 a month, I get hundreds of games. Because that's one of the the things that always comes up, right? Like, hey, mom, I want to buy this $600, I want to buy this $400 console. And now I need another controller. And now I need to buy the newest games with it. Like saying, hey, I get access to hundreds of games and I get a new console. And that's only $25 a month is a pretty compelling argument to make. It's like hard to see anything wrong with that. Like I was not like planning on getting a new Xbox because I do all my gaming on PC and all their first party titles are going to come over to PC anyway. But it's like, man, for $10 more, I can get the new box so my kids can play on the new box? Like, that's kind of hard to pass up. Like, it, it's only $10 more a month to get a Series S. And, like, mm-hmm. I don't, like, my kids don't care that they're not gaming in upscale, that the, that they will be game, gaming in upscaled 4K. Like, they don't care. Like, they, I could put it in 1080p on the yeah. TV and they would not care because they're playing Minecraft and they're playing Minecraft Dungeons. So, man, it's like... How do you say no to that deal, right? Unless you just like have no desire to play anything that's out there. Like even if you're not talking about the new titles, even if you're talking about Halo Infinite not being here, Fable being like three years out, like all those first party games that aren't going to be here for a really long time. Like there's still a lot of good games on Game Pass that continue to come out. There's like a ton of good indie games on Game Pass. Like, you can go back and play through all the, like, Alan Wake's, there's a lot of stuff that you can get there right now. So, it's a really, really good value. And, like, this is, I I expect that this is going to be their biggest talking point um, coming up in the future. It'll, it won't be like, hey, buy Series S for $300. It'll be buy Series S for $24 a month, buy Series X for $35 a month. And that kind of marketing is going to go way better than if Sony comes out and doesn't have something similar and their whole thing is like, hey, PlayStation 5 starting at $400, right? So, like, huge value proposition yeah. and for I, And I don't for think, you know, GameStop even announced that they're going to be trying to do something similar to that, right? So GameStop is not an official Xbox, you know, 
all access partner that, yeah. as far as I know. But they're they've already talked about it's kind of rumored already that they're gonna do that for both the Xbox and the PlayStation. But it's not gonna be the same kind of deal, right? You can finance your Xbox or your PlayStation through GameStop and that's basically their way of, of uh getting more money out of you basically, right? Um because it's I don't I forget that it was like six I think it was like six months that you had to pay it off instead. Um and so they're getting some I, I don't know what their their take is on it, but uh that's just kind of the rumors right now. It hasn't been fully announced or anything. So even if PlayStation doesn't have that, GameStop is supposedly gonna be having that option to where you can basically finance your console through them, but it's a much shorter time frame and you don't get any services. Um and it's not the equipment. Yeah, it's just it's just the console. So I mean I don't I don't see that as a as a benefit at all. Um but I haven't shopped at GameStop in <laughs> eight years. Yeah. Right? So um and their stock dropped another like five points when Xbox announced the Series S that it's all digital. So um they are losing money left and right. So they're trying to do whatever they can. I mean financing a console I think is a is a I mean consoles are expensive, right? So um and to me that deal is you know going through all access is a great deal because there's a lot of games that I want to play that aren't in you know Game Pass you know whether that's a Call of Duty game or you know Assassin's Creed Valhalla those kind of things it's like oh there's a bunch of these games that I want to buy but they're not in Game Pass so now instead of me having to pay you know the $500 for the Series X day of launch and then being like okay I can get one game uh, you know, because I already spent five hundred bucks, and I'm gonna buy this. It's like, oh, I can buy two or three games, and it's not a problem. Because it, even at two or three games, you know, even if they're seventy dollars, you know, that's not even half the price of the console. So, I think more people, if they go through the all access, it's a, a much better opportunity and a much better entry into buying more consoles more often. Um, especially if they're like, Hey, in three years, they have upgraded versions two or three years. And it's like, Oh, just trade in your older model. And you know, you can just get this new one and just pay your 25 bucks or 35 bucks. And I see that as a, as a way, you know, where consoles can be upgraded sooner. They can have more hardware coming out on a regular basis. Um, and just really advancing the technology faster than what we've, what we've been used to. But that's that's just my take on it. So I mean, I I would have to imagine that this is like we need to get those numbers that PlayStation Four had this generation. With I think they had like 117 million like units out there or something like that, right? And the and Microsoft just never announced their numbers because they were so far behind that you know why would you do that? Like this, like how man, I I can only imagine that once if they have good marketing on this and if it gets pushed. Like it's like a no-brainer yeah. to pay that money to get access to all of those games for twenty-five dollars mm-hmm. a month. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Well, the thing that's crazy to me is like there's still people like analysts are like, oh, we adjusted our numbers, and they still show like PlayStation destroying Xbox, you know, almost two to one still. And it's like I don't understand how you keep those same numbers when you have a twenty-five dollar entry point into next gen. It's you're, you're like, oh no, that doesn't mean anything. You know, people aren't going to do that. We we only increased Xbox by like four or five million units. 
It's like, what? I don't know. I mean, I understand it's only in 12 countries, but it's expanding more next year uh, into into a larger worldwide audience. But still, like, even if you're just the tiniest bit compelled, you know, or like, oh, I want to check out some of these games, you know, first-party Xbox games. I don't want to buy a computer. Oh, I can get the Series S, and I can still play them. And even if you're paying full price, that's 300 bucks. You know, and and one to two years come Thanksgiving, that console is going to be, you know, under two hundred dollars for Thanksgiving and everything else. It's like that's, you know, so much more of an impulse to buy. Like, oh, let's just grab that console for for Christmas. Everybody's buying this one, you know. And it's just like I I don't understand because people are like, oh, well, there's no difference in this gen and last gen, and this is just like some of the stuff I'm reading online, and it's like. Last gen, Sony had the cheaper console and the more powerful console. This gen, they have neither of those. They can have, it can be more, it's going to be more powerful than the Series S, but it's not cheaper. And it, it can be cheaper than the One X, but it's not more powerful. So the same situation doesn't exist that they had last generation. And I don't know, it just seems crazy to me that people are like, oh, nobody's going to want to buy that. Sony's just going to outsell them, you know, irregardless. And it's like, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I just, it seems like a whole different situation to me right now. I, I think it is different, but you know, with the Series S being three hundred dollars, the Series X being five hundred dollars, like we still don't know what Sony's going to do with their digital version. We don't know like what their prices are going to be. I know a lot of people are like, well, they're not going to sell these at a loss. Like, uh, I mean, the PlayStation br- branch of Sony is like their big money maker. Like they they kind of have to succeed this generation to to keep that going, like so so I don't know like I could see them selling at a loss. I know a lot of people are like no they won't ever do that, but it's like I don't know maybe they do. I mean if if they're if they want to be competitive if they see this coming out and they're like okay so what's our plan now? It's like well we don't have the pipeline in order to do this right now. Do we sell it at a loss? I mean does the all digital version? Like, I, I don't think they'll be $300. I'd be super surprised if their digital version was $300. Like, I, <laughs> no. if they came out at $400. There's no possible way they... I mean, I mean, we say that, but I mean, it's like, you know, if in the long run, because as they build more units and as their pipeline gets refined, like, their costs aren't going to stay as a loss, right? Eventually, they'll be able to get things cheaper in the future as things get made more efficiently, and they'll be able to sell it at a, you know, um, they'll be in the black, but... Like if the if the digital version of the PlayStation Five comes in at four hundred dollars, I still think that console will be super successful. But also at this point, it's like you can get both so easily now. Like, hey, buy your PlayStation, mm-hmm. but also pay twenty five dollars a month and get access to all these games and get a you know get an Xbox, and then you get to you know play yeah. in both worlds for you know a super cheap super cheap entry price. Like, it seems like gone is the day of, hey, well, you have to choose. It's like, well, Microsoft makes it really easy to where, like, we can do both now. And we can do that super cheap. And even if you don't buy all the third-party games on Xbox, if you want to choose, if you're going to play your stuff on PlayStation, you still have hundreds of games for free on your Xbox. And you're still getting that for $25 a month. So, I mean... I, I think it makes a case for like, hey, if you want both, buy both, or if you want this for super cheap, I mean, this is going to be super easy for moms and dads to like be go, going into Walmart and there's a sign that says, you know, get a Series S for $25 a month. 
and have i don't know if they'd have to have like a kiosk like a cell phone place over there in walmart in order to do that but it's a pretty cool value i think and i mean they already have that right i mean they have they they sign people up for cell phones at both right you know they did it at best buy target walmart did it everywhere but, but i don't but i don't know it is also one thing that's weird um like on all the Xbox's marketing stuff that they've put out so far, it says estimated retail price, right? And so for me, that's kind of like strange that you say it's it's your estimated retail price if it's not your final price, right? So I, I think that they have also been like left room waiting for Sony still. They're like, look, we can put estimated retail price, and if Sony undercuts us too much, then we can just change our price and be like, oh, you know, that our first estimate was off. And it's actually this price now. And to make it a more enticing product. I don't know. I mean, it just seems weird to me that you would say, hey, here's all this information, but this is just the estimated retail price. Um, you know, I mean, they're not graphics cards where people sell them for more money. You know, that's, that's just not what they do for consoles. So, you know, I, I don't, why else would you put estimated retail price in all of the information that has come out for it? And make a point of having that in there by all the pricing uh, if you're not leaving it open to be able to change it after Sony decides to actually give us information uh, on the PlayStation 5. Yeah, that does seem pretty interesting considering like even if even if you are going to sell your Series X at 500, like just being able to say like Xbox starting at $300, like even if the Series X mm -hmm. was $600, like, you know, leave it there or whatever. But if your entry point is like $300, like, who cares what the Series X costs, right? The people that want that will buy it and they'll probably pay whatever they want for it. But if your entry box is $300, yeah. then who cares what that upper end box is going to be? So, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of interesting that they do have that estimated price in there. So, Mike, of the four different systems, yeah. we have the Series S, the Series X, the PlayStation 5 with the disc, the PlayStation 5 without a disc. Like, visually, like, which one do you prefer? Visually, it's the Series S for me. I like, I like small, um, sharp corners, compact. Um, I like I like the S. The X isn't bad either for me. I like the square shape. Um it So so that one's not terrible for me. Um the uh, the PlayStation unfortunately for me is just not a good design. I I dislike it. Um I shouldn't say it's not a good design cuz it probably does exactly what they want it to do. I dislike it. When compared to, when compared to the S and the X, uh, again, for me, for me, the S wins with the X coming in second. Um, the PS5 digital would take third and the PS5 disc would take fourth for me. Definitely. Again, just cleaner lines, smaller, compact, put it on a shelf, kind of forget it kind of thing. Don't even know that it's there. That's kind of the, that's kind of what I like. Devin, what's your uh, preference on the uh, on the visuals? Um, I'm I'm kind of torn. I, I do like the S. You know, I think that'll go great uh, on the TV stand in the living room. Um, I've already measured my desk to make sure the X will fit in the same spot <laughs> as my One X right now. It'll fit just fine. Um, will it vent though? 
Yeah, no, there's that's the only thing that's there, and it's got a big section. I made, I designed my desk because I built it, you know, I built my own desk, and so I designed this space specifically for consoles to go in this spot. Um, so like I have the my current Xbox is here, and then there's a spacer, and then I have a printer on the, a different side. Oh, um, nice. On my desk. And then I have a riser for my monitors to go above anyways. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I like both of them. Uh, the PlayStation, I think is, is a nice, colorful design. It is, it's just so huge. Um, you know, even, even though the, the Series X is pretty big still, but I could still hide that behind a monitor, you know, on my desk if I needed to hide that. Um, there's no, there's no hide in that, that PlayStation. Um, yeah. I mean, that, is a monster uh, <laughs> in size, you know, uh, but they had to make it that way because they're overclocking the crap out of it uh, to try and make up ground uh, for their specs. But um, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, we talked about the comparison shots, right? You know, before once people finally do get their hands on that PlayStation five, there's going to be even more and people are going to really see like how huge that system actually is. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I do. I pretty much would probably go the same way, but I'd I'd put the Series X first, then the S, uh, the digital PlayStation, and then the the one with the disc. Just because the the, the way the disc is down at the bottom, it's just a huge ugly hump, you know. That just as I can't you've designed that in a more fluid way, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least on the the Series X, it's it's not like some giant thing sticking out the side, you know. It fits within the design, so. It's almost like they they got the digital version of the PS5, and then one of the engineers was like, oh, "Guys, we forgot to put a disc drive on it." And they're like, oh, <laughs> "We need crap. to put the disc drive. Just <laughs> stick it on the bottom. It's fine." <laughs> no, I think that's actually. What about you, Stephen? I think I think that's weird because it's very possible that Sony was like, "All right, we're going all digital this this generation, right? Let's be the trend centers. Let's take the let's take the headphone jack out of the phone, and let's just like." Say, hey, this is what we're doing. We're the leaders right now, and everyone kind of has to follow behind us. And maybe like they just kind of got cold feet, and they're like, "No, we got to have a disc drive out there because all the numbers are saying there's still a lot of people that that need discs." Because you're right, it's like that disc drive is slapped on in the weirdest way. That's like, yeah, it's like, oh, free, forgot, put it on. I I actually like the the discless version of the PlayStation Five, even though it looks super weird. But the S is my favorite design-wise. Like, I think the X is just, like, it's functional. It's functional design for the X, but it's just a, it's it's a fridge. But I, I actually like the S. I think the S, even with just having the big, giant, black um, uh, fan vent, it breaks up the design, and it looks super simple. So I, I actually like the S. I think I'll, I think I'll end up getting an S. But, um, yeah, I think if, if these were, I mean, it's only 10 extra dollars a month for you. It's true. It's like a no brainer. Like <laughs> all I have to do is not eat out one time every week and then I can afford that. Like no problem. But I think if these consoles were robots, like I think this is, this is just me thinking. So I would think that the series S would be like the uh, second in command that ends up being like the leader of the Autobots, right? Um, just because, you know, either the leader of the, uh, the console, the console bots are gonna, is gonna die or something. But I'm guessing like, so who would you, who would you cast as like the Starscream character of all the consoles? Would it be the PlayStation 5 just cause you're gonna peg him as the villain automatically, Devin? Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely looks more like a villain to me than it does like an Autobot, but, um, you know, 
So I don't know. I, I mean, it definitely doesn't look like a, a nice machine. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it's going to stab you. It doesn't look like it's how... going to stab you. I, you never know. It might. If, it's funny how stark the contrast is between between the two systems, with Xbox being straight lines, sharp edges, um, you know, industrial then, design. Well, and then PlayStation comes with these smooth kind of textured, um, with some, and and unfortunately, yeah, villainous, right? Those are like demon wings coming off, or kind of, or the, the puffed about. up collar of like you know. Dracula and a villain or something. So, so there, I mean, yeah, I, I don't really see that as like a white knight type hero console, but the other is just, and I think maybe that's what I like most about Microsoft's is that like it doesn't seem like there's any added frill or fluff to it. Right. So, and, and that's even with the current consoles we have, the Xbox one, the, the one S just straight lines, um, sharp edges. Versus, and I'm thinking back to the PlayStation 4. I mean, that was pretty curved. That had some curvature in it. PlayStation 3. I don't, I don't no, think I remember the PlayStation 3. You're thinking of the PlayStation 3 with so the, big the PlayStation box. 5 is actually bigger than the PlayStation 3, which is huge. Right. But, but the PlayStation, so the PlayStation 2 had sharp edges, right? So yeah. it was more box. It was a VCR. And like I said, I don't remember if the three, I don't remember if the curve three was over the curved. top. Yeah. And then the four, the same kind of way. But then even, no, then even if you go, like straight... if you go early Xbox, if you go early Xbox, like 360, that had lots of curves to it. Although my last 360 very much, um, kind of was going the way of the Xbox one. So it was a little less curved, but still had curves to it. Um, you know, sticking with that two tone. Ooh, does this one have that two-tone kind of finish on it? Like the there's the matte finish and then like the glossy finish on it. The I couldn't tell from the pictures if the if the X and the S were kind of a matte texture or they a glossy look like texture. they're a matte finish. Matte. Yeah, they look matte finish. But if your console matte is curved finish, yeah. for more than three hours, so, yeah. you consult your doctor. But um, yeah. yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what the uh, slim version of the PlayStation Five looks like. You know, I mean. When we went from the PlayStation 4, which was a good-looking console, to the hamburger of the PlayStation 4 Pro, uh, which was a horrible-looking <laughs> console that was extremely <laughs> loud, um, and so then and they went from that to I don't know they must have gotten a completely different designer uh, for the PlayStation 5, and they went for something completely different. Um, it it definitely is a striking you know a centerpiece type type console you know that you you put there and you put it there for people to see it. And, um, they say it's a lot quieter and I hope it is. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's definitely interesting. It's going to be interesting to see where Steven puts his PlayStation 5. Uh, and if his wife takes it down when he's gone to work and puts it away, uh, <laughs> you know. I do have to, it. I do have to find a place to hide it because it's definitely not going to be like out front and center. It's either going to be behind a desk or behind a monitor. <laughs> Because it's not going to be it, like hide it means she doesn't know that you bought it, or hide it just kind of out of sight. <laughs> um, What's this big box? It I weighs like thirty pounds. Yeah, I better what look over that? my shoulder before I talk anymore. Um, but so so when do we hear from Sony? Because they have to because they have to put out a reply. Um, 
I mean, they don't have to. It's Sony. They can do whatever. They're like the leaders right now. But I imagine we have yeah. to hear from them soon. Do you think we get like a response this week? Is it next week? There has to be something in the no, works. So the on, on Monday, they already said no PlayStation 5 news this week, right? Uh, the only way that they, we would get PlayStation 5 news is if somebody leaked their stuff, just like people leaked Microsoft's. Um, I don't know. Maybe their ninjas are better than Xbox's ninjas. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, because, I mean, if you look back over the years, like I said, people really enjoy ruining all of Microsoft's plans when it comes to E3s or anything else. Uh, they're just like, oh, as soon as I know it, I'm going to leak it. You know, uh, to, it basically just screws over Microsoft plans. But Sony stuff, they keep it really hush hush or they, you know, make it seem better than it really is. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm interested to see. I mean, we, we haven't seen a teardown there. They said there was going to do price and teardown back in July and it's September. You know, none of that's happened. They haven't gotten any flack for it. Uh, cause it's like I said, Sony, they get a free pass, you know? Well, so, and, and considering the current um, state of the world, I mean, that's a, that's kind of a pass that we're giving to everyone, right? Eh, you know, no, <laughs> not if you no. look online, not that Microsoft doesn't get that pass. Um, I, I they guess get I, murdered online if they screw up their wording. Right? I guess so. I guess I'm not seeing like all the hatred from Microsoft after this leak. I mean, it seems like they handled it really well, and everyone's really pleased with everything that they've do- that they're doing. Mm-hmm. But I'm not I'm not on like the Sony like so. fan boards that you're on though. So maybe I'm just choosing to ignore that part of the internet. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's where all the big information comes out is on you know the two. Two websites that lots of people go to, insiders go to give out information and whatnot. But I mean, one of their big topics for the day was uh, developers respond to the Xbox Series S, and like the original poster just had like went around and found all the devs that didn't like it and posted that. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, there's going to be memory issues or this or that. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, whatever. I mean, it sounds like none of them have even worked with it. You know, based on the way they were talking about it, oh, it'll be interesting to see. It's like, okay, so you haven't even used it, but you think there's going to be problems. Okay, interesting. I I see. But, you know, eventually people started posting, like, why is this only negative when there's all these other positive, super positive comments about it? Um, But I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting. I'm guessing we'll hear from Sony next week to finally give us some news. Um whether they actually show you the back of the console or not ever, or if they ever actually do a teardown before the lottery to be able to buy a system because, you know, they're so far behind on producing them. I don't know. Yeah, it'll it'll definitely be interesting to see. All right, I'm going to push this button here since we talked about that for a really long time. But, hey, that's what we do here. We go in-depth on all these topics, right? I mean, if we're just going to touch the surface, then you can get that anywhere. But we're going to go in-depth on these things. All right, I am going to skip talking about Zelda 35th Anniversary because that's going to be happening next year. Um, because we can talk about that anytime. There's nothing pressing there. Um, Nintendo announced that they have a Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity video game coming out that is set 100 years before the events of Breath of the Wild. I was actually surprised that they dropped another game announcement. I thought the Mario 35 year thing was going to be the last thing that they talked about, but they surprised a bunch of people with the game that no one really asked for. Um, and I'm going to leave that there for all you Nintendo fans. Like, I'm happy that you're getting Classic another game, Nintendo. but I, I am uninterested. All right. The Ubisoft conference. There's a couple of things here that I think we can talk about because that just happened previously, like right before, um, 
we started right before the show. I didn't have a lot of time to look over a lot of things. But one of the things that did happen, like Skull and Bones was not there. And we had um, some comments from the game director who was talking about that. And he had an interesting quote that I wanted to read. So when asked why it wasn't going to be there, this was a blog that talked about the next steps in the development cycle. Uh, the game director said, so the critical questions needed to be addressed over the past several months, such as how do we modernize the classic pirate fantasy? How do we ensure a more immersive and visceral experience? How do we create cool and memorable moments in game? For most of these questions to be answered, it was clear that we needed more development time. I thought this was interesting because it seems like a lot of the games that we talk about need like more definitive answers to this question. How do we ensure a more immersive and visceral experience? How do we create cool and memorable moments in game? And I think that's kind of like, how do we make a good game, right? How do we make this something that people want to come mm-hmm. back to? And I think more and more that's getting really difficult for game developers to answer because it seems like, especially watching like the Ubisoft conference, I don't think people are making video games for, for me anymore. I think they're kind of following it. I don't think I'm in like the, the minority of people that are consuming video games, unfortunately. Like, I think there's a younger generation that people are going to target. I'm not the target demographic anymore. You're not the target demographic? No. Nintendo's figured out if they can sell me the same game over and over again. And all these new studios are like, how do we capture the younger gamers? So do you think then that part of the problem is the the anteing up um, of the games that come out previously, right? So, So in order to be more immersive and visceral... And to create more cool and memorable moments, you have to be better than the previous game that did that for you? Or do you think that there, that they can exist? Do you think that games can exist on the same level and do those things without having to try to one up the predecessor? Um, I'm thinking of two very, I'm thinking of a very, um, Stark, not stark example. That's not the right word, but I'm thinking of, of a game that has done that for me was immersive and visceral and created memorable moments. And another game that I tried getting into that just didn't do it. And I, because I think a lot of people fall into the problem of comparing games. And I don't know if that's really fair to do because I don't, because I don't think games can act like that, nor should they. Right. Cause if you, if you want to play just another destiny, we'll go back and play destiny. Right. Like don't look for the next destiny. So I'm thinking about destiny and anthem because we started out as an anthem podcast and, and the first one. Yeah. Destiny had immersive, immersive experiences and they were visceral and they created cool moments and, and right. So it hooked me. We talked about it at the top of the show. And Anthem, as much as I wanted them to do that, not so much. And and this was a thing that we have discussed heavily on the show in early episodes, is how can Anthem get to that point where it creates those immersive and visceral experiences? For us, we all three have mentioned things like um, Ori and and the Blind Forest and just the way that that game looks. And, and at the and at the very get-go, we're already immersed, right? Because of the way that it looks. Cuphead, 
the hand drawn, like we're immersed in that. Um, the trailer for, um, Tsushima, like that was like, that was immersive because it pulled you in ghosts of Devin. Oh, I was like, oh yes. <laughs> yeah, that one. Right. So something, those things that kind of pull you in and get you ready to go. Right. And like, Steve, do you, do you remember Cuphead? Yeah. Like, do you have memorable moments so you can go, yep, that's memorable. Yeah. Beating right? that game because like not everyone can beat that game. Like we have, there, there's the meme of, you know, game journalists not being able to play that first level. So yeah, I, I remember that game because of. <laughs> you passed the tutorial? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember it because it's hand drawn and the game looked amazing. The soundtrack was amazing. And, you know, playing through that game was hard. So I played it a lot until I was able to beat it. So I do have memories of Cuphead. Yeah. And everything and, and your checklist, every box was checked and said, yep, yep, yep. This is a great game, right? Right. For all. You know, overall, you know, Metacritic score kind of thing, you would rank it super high. And I think we all have those experiences. And it's, it's cool that, that there's, that there's a director who is stepping back and saying, you know what, we kind of need to, to retool this and think about this and not just throw out what we have to people and say, we'll fix it on the fly. Cause we've seen that too. And that doesn't work. So I think it's cool that, that that there are directors who are kind of stepping back and saying, yeah, let's look at this again and make sure we have systems in place that, that really help to do this for our player base. Yeah. I think it's, it's really complicated, right? Because it's more, these kind of things have, have, you know, it's more than just those moments within the game. It's also about what's going on uh, in people's lives. Like what's going on. Like I, I look back to like, Assassin's Creed Origins, one of my favorite games when it was out. And what I really remember about that game is being in a party with my friends who are also playing that game. It's all single player. And we're like, oh, did you go over here to this and play this part yet? Have you gone and seen this? And that was what was more memorable to me than just like playing the game by myself and not talking to my friends about it, not enjoying, not not going through that same experience with them at the same time. I think for us, like we, you know, we always go back to Vault of Glass and Destiny and those memorable two to three months that it took for us to be able to finally, in our group, get through Vault of Glass and it, nothing else in Destiny has come close, right? Um, and I think that is because of, you know, if Destiny came out right now and we had never played it, I don't think we'd have the same experience, right? Like if you look at our lives, like we talk about, when do the three of us get the opportunity to really play games together that much, right? When we played Destiny, we were on every single day when we were playing Destiny, you know, for many, many months, up to a year, basically, almost. Uh, right now, that's just not possible for us, you know, for the three of us and for the other three that we played with, you know, to be on every single day. And so I don't know, like, trying to chase those same memories and those same moments uh, is really complicated because it also has to take into account your own personal life and what's going on in your life to help create those memorable moments because the game is only part of that moment. You know, it's just like a scent or a picture is a part of the moment. Like if you go to your grandma's house or you go home for the holidays and it's not just one thing. There's so many different things that, that make these moments that, yes, it's great that they're thinking about how can they do that. Um, 
but they also have to take into account, you know, they could put all these great things together, but, you know, if I don't have time to play that game with my friends or uh, things is going on in my life, I might not ever experience that memorable moment. And that's kind of why memorable moments are so unique and so complicated and difficult to create in those games, I think, because it's more than just the game, right? It, it is our lives and what's going on and, and how we are connected through that game that helped create that memorable moment. I think also... So like, then directors still have to then put all the pieces out in place for you to be able to, to reach that formula because in that scenario, you are you are the X factor, but everything else needs to be in place. Um, that's a, you sh- Steve should cap that out because that's a very eloquent way of of describing stuff, Devin. You're like a poet and you didn't even know I, it. I think also one <laughs> of the things that is really hard for developers to do is when they talk about creating those moments they first they like have to say all right what is memorable to our players right and the players say oh the vault of glass uh beating cuphead and they're like okay how do we recreate that right instead of saying how can we create a memorable moment right instead of just like playing off of our nostalgia like how do you create something new that i'll remember Instead of trying to recreate how I felt playing Super Battletoads when I was on the floor with my brothers playing that game. Like, you know, instead of like, hey, let's just remake Battletoads. That'll do it, right? And it and it doesn't work because, you know, like Devin said, you know, that's, well, I was, I was 12 at the time playing that game. So it's not going to be the same for me as, you know, however old I am right now to be playing a new version of that game. That's not capturing the same thing. So, and, and it's difficult, especially when we talk about games as a service. Like, the, it always goes back to, like, how do we get, how do we do what Destiny did? How do we capture them like Destiny did it? Instead of saying, hey guys, let's create our own game as a service and let's see if we can build something around that. So, I mean, it's, and it's hard because, it's not just like these small teams that are like, this is my vision. We're talking about people that have budgets and are beholden to a publisher that says, we gave you this much money. We need this amount of return. So you go do what our numbers say will get you the most return. And if that's copy this and try to get it, then go do that. Instead of, hey, what's your crazy idea that no one has tried? You know, do I mean, we you look at something like Fall Guys. Like that publisher, like Devolver Digital, like no one expected the amount of success Fall Guys was going to get. There's not a single person on that team that was like, hey guys, watch this. We're going to be the biggest game on Twitch this week, or we're going to be the biggest new thing. Like not a single person on that team, I guaranteed, had any idea that they were going to be that big, but somehow it managed to be, and they weren't trying to chase something different. Like Fall Guys has been in development for like five years. Like, right, like, even before something like PUBG, like, took off, like, they had an idea for a game that was new and different that no one was trying at that time. And, you know, it wasn't trying to chase whatever everyone else was doing. I mean, there could have been decisions, like, during development that said, hey, let's try and put this in there. Because, like, I was listening to an interview from them, and they're like, hey, we were playing Mario Party, and I thought that, no, they were playing Minecraft and on, on like, a custom server. And the developer was like, I saw this thing and I thought it was fun. And I thought we should do that fun thing in this game. So they did it, right? 
But guarantee, like, no one knew or had any idea of the the success that they were going to do. And it wasn't because they were saying, hey, you have to do this because we need a return on here. Like, it's taking a chance on something that you that you think is going to be great. And, and that's hard to do because, like I said, like, you have to get a return. Like, publishers need a return on their investment. And if you don't get it, like, well, your studio is probably going to get shut down and you're going to have to find some other way to to make money or you're just going to have to fund another studio. So it's extremely difficult. And we can see how someone like, you know, Skull and Bones, like, yeah, let's go back to the drawing board. Let's figure this out. Let's see what we did wrong. I mean, that's what Anthem 2.0 is going to be all about. Go back to the drawing board, see what we did wrong, take the feedback, and then try to move forward. So A new IP is tricky. You know, that's why... New IP is usually smaller, and once they find success, then they expand on it, you know. Um, or they go all in and, you know, do a, pull a destiny, and, and sometimes things work out. And but uh, they also have I think, the, honestly, uh, that's... Sorry, we're getting yeah, lag I mean, from they had Skype backing, on. Right? Well, they also had the pedigree of Halo. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think that's kind of what excites me a little bit about going back into Destiny to check out okay, let's see what they've done in all these years that I haven't played, right? Like Mm -hmm. is there anything in this game that can bring me those same kind of moments um, you know, that we experienced before? You know? Um, Or is that magic gone for me in this game? You know, type of thing. And uh, especially when they're like, yeah, you know, they're bringing back Vault of Glass, but they've changed it and added things. It's like, oh, well, that's, you know, maybe we can get the group back together and <laughs> fail real hard for a year. We're I don't know. the band back together. <laughs> um, it's telling people to shut up and respawn again and again. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely difficult to do, you know, to create those memorable moments. And because they're unique for each person, um, you know, what they take from that moment is, is, you know, different. Yeah. Cool. So let's burn through the last couple things here. So Ubisoft also showed off a game. This was in their pre-show. It's called a game of space, and this is a VR space simulator. So you are the last ship to leave a dying earth and you are traveling through the galaxy and you are scavenging meteorites. You're scavenging pieces of a ship. And you fly out, you have to catch them, you have to select the correct drill to drill through these things, bring them back to your ship. I think this game looks super cool. I'm super excited to play it. It's a VR game, it looks single player, just hang out, chill out in the dark void of space. And if there's any game that gets you off of the planet Earth right now, I think I'm down for that, because I think a lot of us would rather be not on Earth right now, as, you know, California is on fire. So I'm really, I'm really digging this game, and I'm excited for it, and that's called A Game of Space. All right, so Immortal Phoenix Rising. This is the game by Ubisoft that was previously called um, Gods vs. Monsters. This is what Devin has decided to call the um, Ubisoft version of Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I think this game looks like a mobile game that is free to play that they are bringing to console for some reason. I don't think the game looks very good or looks very interesting. It's a third-person open-world action RPG set in Greek mythology. I'm not a fan of the tone of the game, of like how jokey it is. It also looks um, 
some of those character models look super boring. The knight and the Medusa face look like they're straight out of like, like I, I don't, I don't think it looks interesting. I don't think it looks like a good game. Devin, please tell me I'm wrong. Like, what's like? Are, is this something that you're excited I about mean, at all? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I've been following it since it was announced. Uh, I definitely am going to pick it up. You know, when it comes out in December, uh, I think they're definitely trying to basically copy everything that uh, Breath of the Wild did. And but they had to come up with their own universe to put that in, and they chose Greek mythology, right? Um, they it looks a lot like Breath of the Wild. The cell shading and everything is very similar. I put on here. I took this from Venture Beat because I didn't want to. I didn't really have the time, honestly, from today to to write basically write down all the things that are basically the same. You know, I mean, it's it's so. The same as that, but I also don't have a problem, right? Like I, I enjoy Zelda games. I just hate the Switch. Um, so I, I have Breath of the Wild. I own it, um, two times, right? I, I bought it physical and I've bought it digital. Um, you know, I enjoy Zelda. I haven't finished it because I just hate playing on the Switch and putting it in dock mode and it, it struggles. Uh, at 1080p because of how inferior the Switch hardware is. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do for the next one. But anyways, that's why I'm excited for, for this game because it reminds me so much of Zelda. And, I mean, it says both are open world. They have powers, right? You can control objects through telekinesis. You can do that in Breath of the Wild. Uh, they have dungeons hidden all, all over the map. That was one of the huge things in, in Breath of the Wild. You can go all over, find these dungeons. That's how you kind of level up. And they're semi RPG way. Uh, you can craft things, you know, to, to help you. Um, they had, you know, both had some interesting humor. I haven't seen the demo. A lot of the people that, that got to play the demo said they really enjoyed the humor. Um, I don't know. I think the trailer that they put out with like the weird music, I didn't really, I mean, I don't know what's wrong with people in their trailers and music, you know, this year, <laughs> uh, there has not been a lot of good success for, uh, trailers with bad music. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I'm excited to, to check it out. Uh, I definitely agree. Like some of the stuff doesn't look good. I do like the fact, like I don't, the main character they chose to use, uh, for their trailers and gameplay. I don't like the look of that version of Phoenix, right? Um, I'm glad you can change that version and you can change, you know, customize your character. Um, I just didn't like the way that her face looked. So, um, you know, but again, that goes back to the same problem. Like Steven says, it's really hard, uh, for, you know, most female faces do not look good in the games for some reason, right? That's yeah, what Ubisoft, you're going to say, Ubisoft Steven? has a problem with that. <laughs> like Ubisoft really has a problem yeah. with making like a female face for some reason. Like they weren't able to do it in the division for some reason. But yeah, I don't know what's wrong with I don't know what's wrong with Ubisoft. Like every other, you know, game can every game studio can make a decent looking female face. <laughs> I don't understand what's going on here. But one of the things that I was yeah. thinking about while you're talking, Devin, like it looks like this game was made in Project Spark. Like that's the thing that it reminded me of. Like it looks like it was made in that game engine. Like I'm, the to animations, me it looks exactly like Breath of the Wild. Same. No, you're shading, you're crazy. Everything. It's it is it doesn't look anything like it's not even cel shaded. It is. No, it's not. It's very stylized, exactly like Breath of the Wild. It's, they're both very stylized in the if, same manner. No, if I put if I put a picture of Phoenix Rising next to like Breath of the Wild, those are completely different games. 
Like, and you, like, there would be no confusion. Well, there should be, but they're both. <laughs> It, when I look at that, it instantly reminds me of Breath of the Wild. It's, it might not be exactly the same, but that's what it reminds me of when I see it. Well, well, I, under, I understand that it reminds you of that. But if you were put to, to put those things like side by side comparison, they're they're not similar at all. I don't know. Check out the grass. Look at the grass in both of them. Tell me what you think. Okay, I will definitely do that. All right, so that was the thing that came out. Um, then they announced the Prince of Persia: The Sands of Time remake. That. <laughs> I I should just that I remake we, looks horrible. We should <laughs> stop talking about video games. That's what we should do. Because every time we talk about video games, it's like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with this video game? How did it get released like this? Because you're right. Like the Prince of Persia Sands of Time, like that remake doesn't look hardly any better from the game that came out in two thousand and three. Like when they were showing comparison <laughs> shots, I did not know which one that they were showing me at the time. They're like, hey, this one came out in 2003. And I'm like, that looks exactly like the one that you were just showing me that came out and that's supposed to come out next year. Like, like if this is a remake and you're taking that amount of time and it, you it's can't tell year. that much of a difference, like that game does not look good. Like, I'm sorry. Like it, it, it just, yeah. it doesn't. And I don't know, like, like, come on, guys. Like, you can you can do better than this. Like, even if it is just, like, a remake, just be like, hey, it was a remake, and we kind of up the graphics a little bit. Like, you can say that, but, it's like, it looks so similar to the 2003 one that I'm like, okay, so so what's going on here? Like, I, I don't know. And maybe this is just Ubisoft going back to the well of IPs that they have. Like, everyone seems to be doing remakes. A lot of people are, like, excited about a lot of their remakes that are happening. But I don't know if anyone is asking for a Prince of Persia remake. I mean, I think it would have been cool. With all the talk of the PlayStation 5 SSD, like these um, Microsoft architecture of their IO or FPO or the C3PO. Like, Velocity architecture. If they could make a Prince of Persia game that really plays with time, like with all this new stuff, like that would be something cool. Like make a new Prince of Persia mm -hmm. that uses a mechanic like that that blows your mind. But again, it's like, how do we chase that moment that you had? Do you remember when you played Prince of Persia and it blew your mind? Let's do that again by remaking the game. It's like, no, that. So, so that's the thing that came out. Yeah. And they announced for next year. They announced that Scott Pilgrim, that's also coming back. And so another beat em up. It seems to be like the year of remaking beat em ups or re just remaking games. So I don't know what the crap that's all about. I mean, maybe people are super nostalgic of Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim, maybe there's a, you know, they have hardcore fans that are super excited about this, but also like the Scott Pilgrim art style kind of lends itself to being timeless. It's not something that really needed to be upgraded in my opinion, but, but they're going to do that. All right. So this is the last thing that they showed off and then we can end the show. Um, Writer's Republic. This was their, Hey, one more thing. So at first watching this trailer, it took a really long time to figure out what this game is. Because it showed off a bunch of people on bikes, snowboards, skis, squirrel suits, jetpacks, all just flying down a mountain. And they talked for a really, really long time about how cool that is before they started talking about what actually the game is going to be. So, like, watching chat, people are like, is this a Trials? Like, what happened to Steep? What's going on here? So, this is a brand new IP. It's a mass multiplayer extreme sports outdoor game. Um, one of their main taglines <laughs> is you're going to kill it on extreme terrain. You're going to group up and challenge on, on extreme forest, snow, sand, and cliff terrain. 
They're going to be using GPS data for Zion's National Park, I think. I'm pretty sure that's um, the park that they were in because Bryce Canyon showed up. You're going to be able to enjoy the game the way you want, but you're also going to be able to build rep, qualify for things. There's going to be races, question marks, and like daily challenges. So I like I don't know if this is supposed to be like a hey guys stream this game and get a bunch of streamer attention. I don't know if this is supposed to be something like that. I don't really know what this game is, Devin. You're gonna have to help me out. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, I instantly like knew this was like the next version of Steep. Like, if you if if you've played Steep, uh, for I'd say more than an hour, <laughs> especially recently, uh, this is basically just Steep, but they brought in more types of ways. Like in Steep, you have, you know, skis, snowboards, sleds, toboggans, uh, the wingsuits, uh, the jetpack wingsuit, all those things that are all revolved around all these different mountains and going downhill and doing races, uh, building rep, uh, doing all the things, like everything there. They use so much stuff that came straight over from Steep. Like a lot of that is just reused um, in a new game, you know, but they brought in bikes, and so, I, th- I mean, I thought that was interesting. Uh, I, you know, I'm not sure about the massively multiplayer ones. I mean, for me, Steep, again, is really like, it's fun when I'm playing with my friends because there was co-op elements where it's like, oh, we're going to both race and try and do this, this track and whatever else. Or there's ones where, like, you just wreck your character and try and break as many bones as possible, um, you know, and try and one-up each other and just laughing and, and try and do this stuff in a party. And this, I think, is taking it to another level where you can play in, you know, massively multiplayer. Obviously, you'll be racing against all these ghosts um, and everything else. And so I was, like, in the beginning, as when I first saw the, the title – I I did think oh is this a new trials, but it doesn't have you know I was like no this is a different art style, um, and I was like this is more like the steep art style. And then once they rolled in like the first little bit, it's like oh yeah this is just you know I, I was like oh is this just an addition to steep? But no, it's like their whole new game, but just taking the place of steep. So yeah, which, which is really it, weird. This just lends itself to. to I mean, they keep, it's really successful. Steve is still going on. They've had all these seasons. They have, you know, all this content that they bring out for it. And I think this is just their way of expanding it because we're, you know, the community is like, well, how are you going to do more? I mean, besides just adding more mountains in steep. And this is the way that they do that, right? You can add all the bikes. You can add all these different things in there. Um, what? And you can do all the same kind of things where you can buy a monkey suit or whatever else and ride down the mountain and look weird and crazy and funny, have a chicken head or have a big giraffe, you know, head flinging off and, and just go and have a good time. And, and it's built for, you know, I'm guessing they had, I didn't see if they had systems announced for it or when it was coming out. I didn't see that part of it. Um, they, I think they announced but, every system yeah, I mean, it was coming to, but I, I guess I don't know why they don't just do like a steep two. Like why create a brand new IP when they could just, I don't think anyone in the steep community would be like, Oh, what you're adding bikes now. I can't believe it. Like it just seems weird to be like, it's a brand new yeah. IP, but I guess they are bringing in the multiplayer, but because then what happens to steep? Like there's no, I mean, right now that's very limited multiplayer for steeps. So. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyway, so that was the last of the Ubisoft stuff. I mean, they talked about Watch Dogs Legions. 
They talked about um, Rainbow Six Siege. They have their whole competitive thing going on. Like, and congratulations to the Siege team because they're still knocking it out of the park. They're killing it. Um, so, congrats to those that team. But yeah, I guess I, I guess I kind of feel bad when we go through all these games and I'm just like, man, like, why am I again not excited about any of this stuff? But I guess I I do want to play a game of space because that sounds really cool. So, all right, so let's go ahead and finish up really quick since we are kind of over time. And I think in order to do this, we'll go ahead and throw in our our tracks for our Freelancer Codex um, playlist over on Spotify. And we can do this real quick. So I guess I will go first since it seems like we're having some lag issues with Zoom again for some stupid reason. So I'm going to go ahead and throw in the cover of Gone Away by Five Finger Death Punch, originally done by Offspring. I think this is a really good cover. I've been enjoying it a lot. So I'm going to throw this into the mix. And yeah, that's my pick for this week. Devin, what's your pick? My pick is A Day Without Rain by Inya. Um, you know, I just really enjoy Inya. Uh, it's just, it's good chill music. <laughs> and, uh, I have a lot of fun with it. You know, memorable moments. Again, when you, when you talk about those, uh, you know, music, this Inya music has memorable moments to me that make it enjoyable. Because when I listen to the music, I, instantly go back to those funny moments I've had with my friends when we were just making up weird crap when like I don't know what she's saying so we're just making up stuff and you know doing weird things like is she rowing a boat right now or what are we doing are we we rowing a boat okay we're rowing a boat then it's like a speedboat and you know it's just dumb funny moments and I was kind of thinking about that this last week and enjoying uh Inya and just the chill vibes that she provides. All right, no judgment. This is a this very, is a judgment free. Apparently hates Inya. And no, uh, this is judgment free you know. playlist. Mike, what's yours? So I'm going um, a more comedic kind of kind of song this week. Um, my taste in music is pretty eclectic. There's it's a pretty vi- wide variety, um, but I don't usually go into the dark. Um, so I'm gonna go with a group called Celtic Thunder. And they're kind of a folk group. They have some good, they have some good tracks. One of the ones that, uh, the boys and I like to listen to is called Seven Drunken Nights. And, um, and it's just a fun, it's a, just a fun, um, song, you know, tells a story and makes me laugh. And, you know, so that's all. All right. Everyone, thank you so much for hanging out with us for episode 103. Let me start over. Let me try that again. <laughs> Thank you for hanging out with us for episode 139 of the Freelancer Codex podcast. We really appreciate you. Please consider supporting us over on patreon.com slash Freelancer Codex if you want to get access to our pre-show. That'll be really cool, and you'll be a super cool person if you do that. Um, but again, thanks for hanging out with us. Please stay safe out there. Um, if you are outside anywhere near California, please be safe. I hope your home is safe. I hope your family is safe. And please remember to look out for each other. Be kind to each other. There's a lot of uh, high-strung people out there that are that are that maybe they just need a little bit of a smile or a, they need a wave or something. So be kind to each other, and it's we'll see you next time. Life. Right. It's what <laughs> they need some Inya in their life. <laughs> maybe maybe they do. Here, this is what I need right now. That's, I mean, that's impossible. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Freelancer Codex, a podcast brought to you by the Shut Up and Respawn Network. 
Follow us at Freelancer Codex on Twitter or Twitch. Send emails to freelancercodex at gmail.com or voice messages to anchor.fm slash freelancercodex slash message. We wish to thank all of our Patreons. We are grateful for you all.